brethren as believers we are people of the way what is the way the way is Christ we are people of the truth that is Christ and we are people of the life that is Christ and we are also people of the book the book is that it is the scriptures contained in the Bible hallelujah the word of God inherent and infallible hallelujah and it has been delivered unto us so that we through the comfort of the scriptures might have hope and patience hallelujah these things have been written for the purpose of the scriptures is so that we may understand the counsel and the plan of God and what he has done and what he is doing and what he is about to do for us Hallelujah. Amen. The purpose of the word of God, the purpose of the scriptures that have been given to us. That is why as a believer or as a people of the way and as a people of the book, we have to study the book. We have to study the scriptures. We have to apply our mind to the understanding of the word of God so that we may know how to live our lives. Hallelujah. In a way that is pleasing to him. So that we may have an assurance in our hearts of his promise. Did you know that there is a great banquet awaiting us in glory? God is throwing a great banquet. It's called a banquet of the feast. It's a wedding feast. The time when Christ shall wed his bride, the church. And it's a great banquet to which Many have been invited. And many are being compelled to come to. Hallelujah. These things we would know if we study the word of God. There are so many hidden truths in God's word. When we study them, we'll find them. The other thing to also know is that the word of God gives us a lot of warnings and admonitions. Warnings. It shows us how that the end of those who reject God. The end of the wicked. It shows us the end of those who decide to live righteously and follow after Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. The Bible says, Mark the righteous man, his end shall be what? Talk to me. The Bible says, Mark the righteous man, his end shall be what? What is the end of the righteous? According to the scriptures. 81. Bible scholars. What does the Bible say is the end of the righteous? Anyone? This is all part of the Bible quiz. (laughs) The Bible says, Mark the righteous man, his end shall be peace. His end shall be peace. What is that peace? It is the place of total rest. An abundant provision in Christ. That is your end. That is your end. But the wicked, their end is destruction. Hallelujah. And the wrath of God coming upon them. The Bible gives us a lot of warnings. And one of the things that is very dangerous, the Bible actually warns us about that very dangerous, is lukewarmness. Hallelujah. Lukewarmness. 
is a danger that the Bible warns us against. When you read the book of Ezekiel, chapter number 47, Ezekiel the prophet receives a prophetic message concerning Israel in the last days. And sometimes to understand some of these prophetic messages that they received, it is good if you actually make a trip to Israel so that you really see what they were talking about. And I think God willing, someday we will travel to Israel, the place where everything happened, and we would, it will cause the word of God to come so much alive to you. Hallelujah. When you see the Dead Sea and you walk through Samaria and you see the empty tomb and you see you, you see all those you, you the word of God begins to make sense when you experience the culture of those people. It, the word of God begins to make sense. But in this particular prophetic message, there is something in there that we would see. In Ezekiel chapter forty seven, Ezekiel talks about the river that flows out of the temple. Hallelujah. And in the beginning part he talks about how he measured a thousand cubits and the river was, you know, to his ankle, it was ankle deep and then, then to knee deep and waist deep and it got to a point where he could not move and he had not his way. He had to literally swim through the river. And that river is talking about the life of God or the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. There's the Bible says that there is a stream, the river whose streams make glad the city of God. It's talking about the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of life. Now, but when you when you look at from verse verse six down, it says, "And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this?" Then he led me back to the bank of the river. As I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on the one side and the other. And he said to me, "This river flows towards the eastern region and goes down into Araba and enters the sea." And he says, when the waters flow into the sea, the waters will become fresh. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. You know, in those days, in the, in the latter days to come, that Dead Sea, the Dead Sea is so full of salt that it's not fresh water. But the Bible says that when this river flows into, and this is something that will literally happen. When the rivers flow into the Dead Sea, they will receive life and they will become fresh water again. And it says, and wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms lives, and there will be many fish. Hallelujah. That is, a, that is symbolic of the life that the Holy Spirit injects into dead people. Hallelujah. Those who are dead in trespasses and sins. Hallelujah. And it goes and it says, for this water goes there, that the waters of the sea may become fresh. So everything will live where the river goes. Listen. He says, everything will live where the river goes. Hallelujah. Again, this prophetic message is literal. It shall happen in Israel. But there is also a symbolic and spiritual revelation behind it. That wherever the streams of living waters of the Holy Ghost flows, everything will live again. Because he is the spirit of what? Life. The spirit of the very life of God, everywhere he flows, everything will live. Hallelujah. You see, that is why it is simply impossible to live a Christian life without the Holy Ghost. That is why, you see, the initiator of your Christian life is the spirit of God. What do I mean by that? It is he that brought you to life because you were dead in your trespasses and sins. 
And until the regeneration of the Holy Ghost took place, you were dead. You were totally irresponsive to God. You were dead. But when the Holy Ghost moved upon your heart and regenerated you again, you came to life, you awoke to the fatherhood of God. That is the beauty of the Holy Ghost. So as we pray for the nations, brethren, as we pray for the nations, as we pray for them, we pray that the Spirit of God would move mightily. We are praying, we pray that the, the river of the Holy Ghost will flow into the nations. Places where they practice dead religion. The river of God will flow them, bring them to life again. Hallelujah. Through the preaching of the word of God. Hallelujah. Everything will live where the river goes. It says, fishermen will stand by the sea from Engedi to Eneglem. And it will be a place for the spreading of nets. Hallelujah. Its fish will be of very many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. Hallelujah. But it swamps and marshes. But look at this. Look at verse 11. The Bible says, but it swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They are to be left of salt. <laughs> that is a very serious thing. The Bible says, everywhere the river flows, it gives life. And the waters become fresh waters. But it says, but the swamps and the marshes. What are swamps and marshes? Those of us who did, Ben did environmental science. So Ben can help us here. I'm sure in our, in our GSS and SS in, in primary school, we learned about this. Swamps and marshes. You see, if you go to a swampy area, it's a mixture of the water and the and clay, you know, clay or the soil, and then there are, there are little shrubs also growing around. It is not really, it's not really a water body. It's not really a, you know, a land. It's, it's a mixture like that, and then there are also different kinds of shrubs growing in there. These are swamps and marshes. The Bible says they will not become fresh, but they are to be left for salt. Why is it that these streams of living waters, that the Bible actually tells that wherever they go, they make everything fresh. Why is it that they cannot make the swamps and the marshes fresh? Why can't they give life to the marshes? You see, sometimes... It is better to be dead in your trespasses and sins than to have a form of godliness and deny the power thereof. There are many walking around in our day who have a form of godliness. They appear to have the real, but they don't. There are some who even identify with the church. But because of their lukewarmness, they are neither here or there. The Holy Ghost is almost, listen to my words very well, is almost incapacitated to work in their lives. He can't work in them. And you know why? Not just that he can't work in them, he chooses not to. Because the Holy Ghost will not identify with anything that is neither here or there. Lest you mistake him for the wrong thing. The Holy Ghost will not. That's why the Bible says, But it swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They are to be left for the salt. They are to be left for the salt. Hallelujah. 
Cut it and shit it. Listen, the Bible warns us very much about lukewarmness. Being neither here nor there. We don't know whether you are hot or cold. We can't really tell whether you're a Christian or you are not. Because you see, you claim that we look at your life and there is really no consistency in there. And the scripture that actually talks very indebly about this danger is in the book of Revelations, as we all know, chapter number 3. When the letter to the uh, Laodicean church, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, look at this. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea, right, the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation, I know your works. You are neither hot nor cold. Do you know that this is the only church that God has absolutely nothing good to say about? Nothing. God did not have, God did not approve of anything that they did and did not approve of anything they claimed they were. They claimed a certain view of themselves. They claimed a certain identity of themselves, but God rejected it. God did not approve it. And they claimed certain works and God totally rubbished it. God did not approve anything whatsoever. They claimed for themselves. He said, I know your works. This is God's estimation of who they were. He says, you are neither cold nor hot. And the reason God used this typology was because he knew that people understood it. Because that region of Laodicea, there were some hot springs and cold springs there. There's a spring, there were springs of water that were lukewarm. So people go in there and they bathe in it. And those springs, they were neither hot nor cold. So people could just go in and lie in it and, you know, bathe in it. So they, they understood what God was talking about. And listen to what God said, would that you were either cold or hot. If you are cold, then I know my Holy Ghost can make you alive, can make you hot. And I wish that you were hot so that I'll be glad and rejoice over you. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. How do you get lukewarm water? Is either you take a cold water, you take cold water and pour some hot water into it, or you take hot water and pour some cold water into it. It's a mixture. And one of the things God hates is the mixing of spirituality with carnality. God hates it. Those are those that have a form of godliness. They don't have godliness. They have a form of godliness. But they deny the sanctifying power of the Holy Ghost thereof. It's a danger. And we must guard against it. They take the cold and mix it with the hot. It's too hot. You know, there are some Christians that always think, how close can I be to the world to make it to heaven? You know that thought. In their mind, they think, how close can I get to the world and still make it to heaven. That's their thought process. So in everything, they are trying so much to enjoy so much of the things of the world, or enjoy worldly ways, or enjoy carnal ways, all in the world thinking, okay, how much can I enjoy uh, that I will not miss heaven? See, they are unstable in all their ways. They are double-minded. They are neither here nor there.
But the prophet Elijah said to the people, he said, choose you whom this day whom you will serve. He said, if Baal is God, serve him. If God is also God, serve him. Joseph said, choose you whom this day you will serve. Either the gods of the Amorite, the Hittite, and the Hivite across the Jordan. But those who serve the Lord. You have to make a clear distinction who you are and what you stand for. Hallelujah. You can't mix it up. Do you know that when the Israelites, they left the land of Egypt, the Bible says a mixed multitude followed them. And all the troubles of Israel, it came about because of that mixed multitude that followed the Israelites. Because you see, the mixed multitude, they, they came with their different gods. The mixed multitude were made up. You know, in Egypt, the Israelites were not the only slaves. There were other African slaves. I'm sure some were from Ghana, some were from, you know, those days, Ghana was, there was the Ghana Empire. And then there were other empires. There are some from Sudan and all those. Then there were some from, you know, other in Europe and all those places. There were prisoners from everywhere, slaves from everywhere. And they each came with their gods. And when God, by the hand of Moses, delivered the children of Israel and they were living, these people were also slaves. They followed them. And they carried along their gods. And they were the mixed multitude. These were the people who incited the heart of the Israelites into error. God hates that thing. God hates that thing. The mixed multitude, double-mindedness, lukewarmness, neither hot nor cold. Listen to it. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Listen to for the, for what they say. For you say, I am rich. Katamandis. As their confession, I am rich. But the question is, what kind of riches? I am rich. He says, I have prospered. What kind of prosperity? I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Hallelujah. Amen. The description God gives of the Laodicean church presupposes that they were not even born again. And I'll show you why. They were, the, they were meeting for church and they were having church and they were rich and they had prosperous. They had big, big cathedrals and they, were, they, they fly in jets everywhere claiming to be preaching the gospel and they do so many things. They were rich. They felt they had prospered. They had monetized the gospel, commercialized the gospel. They saw godliness to be a means of gain. And they saw gain as an indicator of piety. Mammon was their God. So listen to what they said. I am rich. That was their first confession. Their confession was not, I have Christ. Their confession was, I'm rich. I'm prosperous. Does that sound like something that you hear often around you in mainstream Christianity? But the question is, what kind of riches? They had not the riches of glory in Christ Jesus. They were talking about only material things. They had prospered in the flesh, but they were poor in the spirit. 
they were very poor. In the realm of the spirit, they were wretched. They were pitiable. Who is who is to be pitied in the realm of the spirit? But he that does not have Christ. He that is destitute of Christ in the realm of the spirit is wretched and pitiable. And poor. He's spiritually poor. The only people who are rich are those who are in Christ. Those who have Christ. They have the greatest treasure of it all. That pearl of great price. That treasure that you sell everything to buy. That is the true riches of Christ. We that have Christ, we are the true riches. We that have Christ, it is we that are prospered. Hallelujah. Amen. They were poor and they were blind. They were blind. They thought they saw, they thought they see, but they did not know that they were blind. They claimed so many revelations, but they did not know they were blind. They thought they were, they, by their revelations, they had become so rich, but they did not know they were blind. They were blind. Jesus said, for judgment have I come into this world, that they that do not see may see, and they that claim to see may be blind. And he said to the Pharisees, because you claim you see, your guilt remains. They were blind and they did not know it. Hey, you see also, brethren, this is the Laodicean church. They were blind and they did not know it. The Bible says that, you know, concerning the prodigal son who went away and came, the father said to him, for my son was lost and is now found. He was blind and is now he can what? See. That means that when you transition from blindness to seeing this, that is a picture of being born again or being saved. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He's the light that lighted every man that comes into the world. So without the light of Christ, you can't see. Meaning that this, this Laodicean church did not have the light of Christ. So they were blind. But in their deceived minds, they thought they could see. They thought they were born again. They thought they were wheat. They did not know they were tears. And God is warning them. And the last thing is, they were naked. They were clothed in all the rich apparel in the world. They wore Armani. They wore Michael Kors. The women, their Michael Kors bags. And their dresses. They wore Sean John. And all those, Jessica Simpson. Name them for me, ladies. Louis Vuitton. Louis Vuitton. Yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I realize that uh, to make it in the fashion world, you need your label must be have an Italian name. Your label must be Italian. You make it easy. So I decided that when I start when I start my clothing line, our name is Rocco Giovanni. <laughs> so you guys watch out for my watch out for my clothing line. It's called Rocco Giovanni. So that time. When you tell where you can boost your friends, Shit, you see this Rocco Giovanni bag in, in the shoe. Abby. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm the Laodicean, they were wearing Rocco Giovanni, but still, the Bible says they were naked. They were naked. They were naked. Why? Because God was seeing their spiritual state, and they were naked. A man that is naked in the spirit is still in his sin. The Bible said to them, 
when Adam and Eve sinned, what did they say? Lord, we heard your voice and we realized that we were naked. So we hid ourselves from you. Nakedness is a spiritual revelation of your that you are still in your sinful state. You've not been covered by the righteous robe of Christ. Hallelujah. So by all these indications, brethren, our decent church was not born again. They had not been saved. They were not the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. As a matter of truth, they were still in their sins. But they had an appearance of godliness. They made great boast, but to none avail. And that's a danger we must watch out for. We must watch out for it. And I'm telling you, I call it the Laodicean cancer or cancer. It's very prevalent in our day. Turn on the television, you see it all over. It's very prevalent in our day. Very, very prevalent. And what is the form of godliness that they have? Oh, we do good works. Oh, we give to the poor. We do this, we do that, we do this, we do that. It's all nice, lovey-dovey stuff. Wishy-washy. Seeker-friendly. Oh, we don't... It doesn't really matter who you are. As long as you believe what you believe well. God doesn't reject anyone. That is the kind of ideologies they were preaching there. They had fallen. Not that they had fallen because they were not even there in the first place. They had created their own form of Christianity and they were living it. That was not consistent with the revealed word of God in the scriptures. They had embraced emergent ideologies like we have in our day. And their gospel was man-centered rather than Christ-centered. It was about man and what God would do for man. No wonder they were claiming, I am rich. That's their first confession. I am rich. They looked to their material possession as evidence of their faith, as evidence of their godliness, as evidence of their Christianity. But look at Paul. What did Paul boast about? Paul said, I will boast about my weaknesses. Paul boasted about his scars that he had in the faith. Paul said, 40, 39, 40 times save one did I receive lashes. He says, he was, he, he was shipwrecked near to the point of drowning in the sea. In fastings often. These are the things Paul boasted about. And all these things he suffered for the sake of Christ. Those are the things Paul boasted about. But this Laodicean church. You see, symptoms of, do you, do you, I, I just want you to cast your mind around you to the present day Christianity we have around us. Mainstream Christianity. Do you see symptoms of this Laodicean cancer? How many of you see symptoms of the Laodicean cancer? If you see, say, I see it. I see it. If you don't see it, maybe you are blind. I see it. <laughs> <laughs> so I say, hey, Pastor Sam, please don't go there. <laughs> no, you must see. If you don't see it, then your situation is serious. Your situation is serious. But it's, it's a 
earthly counsel that we must deliver ourselves from. So these people, they were not saying, listen to the counsel God gave them. He said to them, I counsel you. My advice to you, listen. You people, you, you are close to the kingdom, but you are not in it. So the advice I'm giving you is, buy from me, from who? From Christ Jesus, gold refined by fire. Gold refined by fire. The Bible says concerning our faith, our faith being much more precious than gold that perishes. That means that these people did not have faith. So Jesus said, buy from me the true faith that will not perish. They did not have faith in Christ. Refined by fire. Our faith is a faith refined by fire. Hallelujah. Who knows where that scripture is? Where the Bible says our faith be much more precious than gold that perishes. May be found unto praise and glory at the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who knows where that scripture is? Hallelujah. Brethren, help me out. Is it First Peter? I think First Peter or Second Peter. Entry. Ben. Bro. <laughs> oh, where, where's Oswald? Oswald, I know Oswald knows where that is. Oswald. <laughs> I think it's First Peter there about. First Peter there. First Peter one seven. I think. Brother, can you read it for us? Can you read it for us? Um, okay. um, NIV, these have come so that the proving genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, it perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor. Hallelujah. Is revealed. Refined by what fire? Our faith, the faith that is refined by fire, may be found to praise when Christ Jesus is revealed. These people, their faith, there was no praise from God the Father concerning their faith. God did not approve of it because they did not even have the faith itself. Their faith was name it and claim it money riches. I am rich. I am rich. I am rich. Don't get me wrong. It's not that God does not want you to be rich. No. But you, I hope you understand the error of the Laodish church. Because, because their main gospel they preached was man-centric and money-centric. They saw godliness as a means to gain. That was where their error was. That was their faith. The only evidence of their faith was money. I'm rich. Hallelujah. Listen to the next thing he says they should buy. He says, And white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. White garment. What are white garment? The Bible talks about the robe of righteousness. It's the same as the white garment. Do you remember the parable Jesus gave concerning the great banquet? He said to them, go and compel everybody to come in. When they compelled them and they came, the Bible said the master of the banquet was going around and he saw somebody who was not in the right garment. And he asked him, where are your garments? And the guy did not have any answer. He caught him and threw him out of the banquet. The fact that God is compelling men to come into his kingdom, that don't mean that anybody can just enter in. You must enter with the right garment. What is that garment? The robe of righteousness. What is that righteousness? It is the righteousness of Christ. 
the Bible says that he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. This is the great, not mystery, this is the great blessing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That Christ Jesus fulfilled all righteousness. Do you know why Jesus said to John the Baptist, suffer it to be so for now, because I need to fulfill all righteousness. God could have just sent Jesus over the weekend to come and die for our sins, but Jesus lived a full life. Why? So that he could fulfill all righteousness according to the law. And in that fulfillment, God imputed that righteous life of Christ without sin to you, now that you have believed. And God treated Jesus on the cross as though he lived your life and is now treating you as though you've lived that sinless perfect righteous life of Christ so God sees you in the realm of the spirit wearing the robe of righteousness of Christ it's been put on you it's, it's called the great imputation the great imputation is, is the substitutionary offering of Christ you see Christ fulfilled all righteousness he, he fulfilled it all and that fulfillment was imputed to you the robe of righteousness. The robe of righteousness. Hallelujah. Amen. So that you may be rich in white garments, so that you may clothe yourself from your sh- and, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. And he says, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. They were blind. They couldn't see. What is the salve for anointment of the eyes? But we have an anointing of the Holy One, and we need no one to teach us. The Holy Ghost. That a man is born again, what next? He receives the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost illumines your eyes, so you may see. So this Laodicean church, they had missed out on everything, on the true faith. They had missed out on on, on justification by faith and righteousness. They had missed out on Christ. They had missed out on the Holy Ghost. Hmm. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Jesus is saying they should repent. Be zealous and repent. Listen, behold, I stand at the door and knock. This is to the church. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, Hey, if Jesus was truly in their heart and in the church, he would not be outside. I've always said this when I read the scripture. How can the master of the house be outside the house and knocking to enter his own house? Meaning that these people are succeeding in excluding Jesus and moving Jesus outside of the church. Jesus, like John MacArthur says, is only as a footnote that satisfies their critics. They use the name of Jesus just as a cover-up. Just so that they will have a certain form of godliness. But Jesus was actually kicked out of his own house. It was not his church. He did not have control. Man had control. Man had control. They had usurped the place of Christ in the church. Like the, like, uh, the, Catholic, the Catholic church. Where the Pope claims himself to be the vicar of Christ. In the place of Christ. They usurped the authority of the Christ. And they claim the Pope to be infallible and inerrant. 
they've usurped the place of Christ. He's not in there. He's outside. And these are realities we must tell people so that they may be saved. Hallelujah. And it's a danger we must watch against. It's a danger we must watch against. He says, if anyone will hear my voice, meaning that they were not hearing the voice of the master. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. If they knew the voice of the master, we would have known that they were the sheep of God. They were not the sheep of God. That is why I contend that the Laodicean church was not born again. Because if they were the sheep of God, Bennett, they will hear the voice. They will hear the voice. But he says, if anyone will hear my voice, open the door. No, once in a while, God, as you speak to them, preach to them the gospel of Christ. Gradually, the Holy Ghost moves upon their head and they begin to realize the error. That they are really not in the church. They are really not part of the body. They are, they, they are really lost. And they, they begin to cry out for the Savior himself. I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers. I will grant him to sit with me on the throne, on my throne, and I will con as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Hallelujah. Amen. The danger of lukewarmness. The danger of lukewarmness. And you see, that is this is one of the great mysteries of the kingdom of God. Because the Bible says the kingdom of God is like Fishermen went to fish. They caught many fishes. They dragged the fish to the shore and they sat down and they picked out the bad ones and threw them back. The church is representative of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. There are many people in the church, but the fact that you are in the church does not necessarily mean you are born again or does not necessarily mean that you belong in the body of Christ. God knows the spiritual, the spiritual church. He knows the spiritual Christ. The Bible says that Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure. God knoweth them that are his, and he that nameth the name of God must depart from iniquity. God knows them. He knows his children. And though there are many that are also part of it, there is a mixed multitude that have joined us. You know, some people, they, will come, to, they come to church because you know, they have good motivational messages. That is the, that's the use they see the church. They see the church, the use of the churches, you know, to give me good motivational messages for my day. Or to teach me how to be successful in my life. You know, or to embark on social works and all those things. But they are not truly born again. Can a church really exist and not be born again? You see those brethren? It's very serious. The foundation church. The Laodicean church. And the last thing I'll leave you with before we close today, I want to reiterate the confession of the Laodicean church. They said, I am rich. I have prospered. I don't have need of anything. But they did not know that they were wretched and they were poor. They were blind. They were pitiable. Meaning that their spiritual state was so bad, eh? You are supposed to weep for them. That is why you see sometimes when, before we embark on evangelism, God should open your eyes to the spiritual state, especially of those who claim to be with us in the, in the family of God, but are really not having a form of godliness. When you look at their spiritual, you can see, hey, Jesus, they are lost too. They are so lost. 
in the weeks past, I had the opportunity to discuss with a number of Mormons. My goodness, my heart aches. Because when I listen to them, they have a certain form, they also have a certain form of godliness. Yet, they are so lost. Somebody say, Pastor Sam, but you are judging. <laughs> you see, in our day, one of the big problems we have is, oh, don't judge. Don't judge. Don't judge. Don't judge. Brethren, the word of God clearly tells us how we may distinguish the true from the false. If a man does not hold on to the sound doctrine of faith found in the Bible, the person is lost. And how lost beware? Claiming Jesus to be the spiritual brother of Satan and God being a man who progressed to his godhood and he has multiple and what you call it um, eternal sexual relations with his wife and give birth to spiritual children which we are and they also will one day you know if they live according to Mormon doctrine very well they'll be they'll progress to godhood and they'll be given a planet to populate with their wives and they also become gods what foolishness what foolishness brethren but they see themselves to be rich in the realm of the spirit. They don't know that they are to be pitied. Hallelujah. Brethren, lukewarmness is a cancer we have to guard against. Let's guard our hearts so that we don't fall into such state. Hallelujah. 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 May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ abide upon us all. And may He continually strengthen us to stay true to this faith that we have in Jesus Christ.